Hey, welcome to the Monkey House Primates. So, thanks so much. I've asked around here to quickly uh, let you all know that we're in Sydney. We're about to be in Brisbane. So uh, very quick stop in Sydney. We're just here for a few nights. So come and see us. And then what are we doing? We're going up to Brisbane. We're going to do a Who Knew It with Matt Stewart at Good Chat. And we're also doing a couple of Dryer Dryers, our comedy festival show. It's the last run of the whole tour. So come on down, Brisbane. That's right. And in Sydney, we're at the Manning Bar and at the Chippo for the Who Knew It. Really pumped up. Hopefully see you all there. Uh, now on with the show. Ook, ook. What is that what the monkey say? Yeah, ooga cha cha. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Primates, the podcast where we explore primates in popular culture from Chimpan A to Chimpan Z. I'm your host, Matt Stewart, and this week on the show, joining us back in the monkey house, it's Erica Fleury from Napsa. Welcome, Erica. Hi, thanks for having me back. Hey, thanks for coming back via satellite. Uh, I mean, pretty much no one's allowed in the same room now anyway, but uh, <laughs> you've always joined via satellite. We were sort of pre-COVID ready. That's true. It's not very exotic anymore, though, because this is what everyone in the world is doing. So yeah. we started you know, a trend, though, didn't we? We did. Really? It worked so well for us that now the whole world is just, you know, copying our model. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I um, <laughs> I, I put out a, a vote because uh, this show is going to go on hiatus sort of long term shortly probably after the next episode. This is episode 99. Um, but I put out a vote to the listeners a little while ago asking what their, uh, what episodes I had to do before we finished. And one of the top voted four episodes was another Erica Fleury episode. Oh, if you could see my blushing right now, it would, it would astound you. <laughs> the the but... people wanted it. And um, I'm sure they're so grateful you, you uh, accepted my invitation back onto the show. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm happy to do this, although I must say I'm a little bit nervous about what these questions are going to be. Yeah, but well. I yeah. trust the viewers of Primates Podcast. They've so. got some pretty hard-hitting questions, probably. I haven't read them yet. <laughs> I uh, bet they do. I appreciate your homework. You so know. for people who haven't heard you on the show before, you are from NAPSA, and I'll just give uh, a quick rundown of NAPSA. I've Googled it. Um, it's the National Adult Protective Services Association. <laughs> now, what do, you, what do you do there to protect adults? services or you adults who are in protective services <laughs> well that's basically true um but every time i'm on the show matt finds another acronym um or oh. another <laughs> i don't another find them google i just google it and that's like you've got to work on your on your uh optimization whatever it's called because Our seo seo yeah. you need to get an seo guy in like well, i'm thinking Number two is the North American Power Sweeping Association. Then there's the National Pension Scheme Authority. 
Uh, <laughs> One time it was a it was a pharmacy student association, yes. right? Something. <laughs> that was that, oh, yeah, that was that was a pretty big one. I think that's an well, Australian thing. So, you I know, do what think are our... what are you? What do you do? Yeah, I think the reason for that might be because our work, number one, is not based in Australia where your laptop or computer is located, <laughs> but also because it's sort of a niche thing. And I mean, we so we are the North American Primate Sanctuary Alliance, which is a much more appropriate group to be on this podcast oh, yeah, than some of the sense. other. Yeah, I mean, the other organizations you mentioned are quite worthy, but I don't know if they're appropriate we, for this audience. But you say that it's just because I'm in Australia, but I'm looking at the National Pension Scheme Authority is based out of Zambia. <laughs> well, they're doing great then. <laughs> Their SEO is off the charts. I need to contact them immediately. Yeah. They, they've, they know what they're doing. Mm. Um, well, yeah, we've got our hands full. But um, So what we do <laughs> is uh, we're an alliance of 10 of the leading primate sanctuaries in North America. And we uh, our member sanctuaries care for over 830 apes and monkeys that are rescued from laboratory research and the entertainment industry and the exotic pet trade. So uh, we also work with non-member sanctuaries as well to facilitate placements. So what that means is like when a, an ape or a monkey, usually it's a monkey, um, needs a home in a sanctuary, it can be very difficult to find a home for him or her because the sanctuaries in North America are very full and often have waiting lists. And so uh, we do a lot of work placing these primates out of less than savory situations into primate retirement where they can live a more appropriate monkey or ape life. So you, and it's you, great. Do you pretty much only deal with monkeys and apes? You don't deal with any cutie pie type primates like the uh, tarsiers or the lemurs or anything like that. Well, lemurs, yes, especially ring-tailed lemurs. Uh, they are somewhat popular in the pet trade in some areas, unfortunately. Um, so there are some sanctuaries. We actually have a member sanctuary uh, who is working their way up to full membership, and they're called Endangered Primate Foundation, and they're based in Jacksonville, Florida. And they Go are Jaguars. a lemur. What'd you say? Is that Jaguar country? Jacksonville uh, Jaguars? Yeah. Or is that different? I don't know. <laughs> I know, I don't most, know most of what I know about America is um, sporting teams. I know. I remember you told me about your story in New York where you wore a hat that yeah, the, the Rutgers, Rutgers Rutger, University. Right, it was Rutgers, right, right. And that was, yeah, that was a mistake. They hated me when I wore that back to New York City. No, I told you, that's just how new people in New York City look. <laughs> they look angry because they're in New York City. I, I assumed it was about the hat, but it was just about everything. It's just their, their way. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but, but yes, you go on and think it was your hat. Uh, oh yeah. So they, but, but this endangered primate foundation sanctuary, they only care for lemurs. So they have a whole bunch of ringtail lemurs. Um, but tarsiers, we do not have within our network just because I think they are less used. They're definitely not used in entertainment and they're less frequently used in research and the pet trade, if at all. I've never had a call about a tarsier placement. Oh, that's, well, I guess that's not positive news. It's I good for them. I don't yeah. think they could take it, you know, that. The gentle Tarsier. <laughs> they're too delicate. They're not flowers. built. They're not built for such a hard life. I mean, none of those animals are built for it. But... None of them are built. For... No, none no. of them ask for any of this nonsense. Certainly not. So, but oh, Erica, you were um, saying just before that you've you've just kicked off a fundraiser sort of thing, and and you've got Leonardo DiCaprio involved, sort of. Yeah. So he's um, one of our supporters. So I'm really excited to be able to talk about it because it's brand new. 
Um, so if you are in the U.S. and even if you're not, you'll you'll hopefully be hearing about this. Um, so one of some of the work that NAPSA does is to help strengthen sanctuaries. And so there's a wide range of sanctuaries in North America. Some are accredited and meet very high standards, and some are not. And that's legal. You know, that's allowed. But um, there was a sanctuary in Los Angeles that had been there for a very long time. We're talking 40 plus years uh, and was was the first primate sanctuary or the first exotic animal sanctuary in America. Um, But over the years, um, they struggled a bit and and had a lot of animals. And eventually, um, in August 2019, they abruptly shut their doors and surrendered their wildlife permits because they could no longer continue responsibly caring for the hundreds of animals that they had. So they had, I've heard varying amounts. I think the most accurate number is something like 450 exotic animals. And that's everything from chimpanzees to bears, to lions, to even farm animals. So um, the sanctuary community really was shocked by this and scrambled and through um, a lot of hard work and great effort, um, most of those animals were placed in in better sanctuaries, you know, in places that could provide for them through their lifetime and give them a, a nice, healthy, you know, way to live and um, all that. So what we're left with um, is NAPSA, you know, we were proud to help place um, all the monkeys that were there. And so far, 10 of the, actually nine of the chimpanzees that were on site have been rehomed to great sanctuaries um, and three to great zoos. And we've got now 32 great chimpanzees. Zeus. Yes, the they're accredited God. zoos. Oh, sorry. Accredited zoos that accredited helped out. Zeus. And, and the, yes. <laughs> great zoos. Sorry, Eric. Uh, I hadn't said anything for a little while and I felt, um, I, I felt <laughs> like I was being left out. So I jumped in and the first thing that came to mind was real stupid and I've interrupted your great flow and I feel massive regret. And I, I imagine the listeners are throwing their listening devices against the wall right now. I apologize to no. you and I apologize to them. Does this mean that I'm going on and on too much? No, no, that means that, just, that means that <laughs> I've got a problem and um, I need to work on myself. I think everyone is just so eager to hear about this depressing rescue effort, though, Matt. No, so well, I'm I mean, it's, de- it's depressing that it's required, but it's the yes. opposite of depressing that you're doing it. For sure. It's, it's honestly inspiring to see all these groups coming together to help out these animals. So... So as I was saying, 32, <laughs> 32 chimps remain. We have found trusted sanctuary homes for all of them. And these are facilities that have been around and have decades of experience caring for chimpanzees. And, and they're willing to take them. And we're so grateful. But they, are, they were full and you know, to capacity and need to build uh, enclosures to welcome these chimps. And some of them need to even hire more staff and, you know, prepare uh, because taking on a chimp is no small thing. So uh, so in the end, we've got a fundraiser that we started because these chimpan- these sanctuaries need to build in order to take the chimpanzees and we need to fund the current care. So meanwhile, in the months and months and months that it's going to take to raise the money and build for the chimps, uh, they need to be cared for appropriately at this facility. Um, so the California Department of Fish and Wildlife has stepped in and is taking over their care temporarily, but it's quite expensive and we need to make sure that they don't run out of funds. And, uh, especially in this COVID-19 environment where everything is being cut and budgets are being slashed, um, it's scary. So 
We're excited to have kicked off the campaign. It's a huge effort and it's a really great collaboration between NAPSA and a fundraising um, group called Seventh Generation Advisors. And so we're going to really be doing some media outreach. Um, we're calling on you know friends and and supporters to help spread the word and to donate because it's going to take a village to get these chimps to safety. And we're just so grateful that Fish and Wildlife is taking care of them in the meantime and is trusting us to find them good homes. Yeah, that's um, cool. And how did Leo yeah. get involved? Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, if everyone looks on Twitter and Facebook, they'll see he just shared our posts. And we're, we're so happy about that because he's helping spread the word to all his millions of followers that this is a a really reputable effort um, and these groups can be trusted. And if you donate, you know, your money is going right to those chimps and will help ensure their safety long-term for the rest of their lives. Cause we have to make sure, you know, think about it from our perspective. We have to make sure that we don't put them in places that are going to fold next year or something, you know, right. it's, it's rare that a sanctuary just shuts down like this. Um, so we need to avoid that at all costs and make sure that those that do take them on are prepared to do so. And, you know, um, they're very well aware of what they're getting into, but we certainly can't just, you know, expect them to take on a group of 10 chimpanzees without any help. Cause that's a, it's a huge effort. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's cool. So, I just looked it up. Yeah. He retweeted it early today. This episode will go uh, straight out. So it's basically live Erica. So don't well, say good. anything you're going to regret. Cause I'm, well, I'm certainly not editing this. I always do. So you know. <laughs> say things you regret. <laughs> I do. Okay. I always end up slipping in a bad word or something. Oh, and no. I'm afraid my my coworkers are going to care. And so far they haven't. So I'm going to try not to. Great. Uh, not to do that again. But yeah, if you want to learn more about it, um, if you go to NAPSA's website, which is primatesanctuaries.org. Uh, why why see... do you have primates in the title when it's actually about National Adult Protection Services? Another way that we failed with our SEO, right? That's part of the problem. That was a great sigh. Thank um, you so much. Um, I've got to fire my uh, IT guy. Okay. Well, which is I don't funny because want... I do the IT. Okay. So. okay, great. I really yeah. don't want anyone to lose their job over this, but if that's how it has to be, that's how it has to be. So, um, I know. So, yeah. So, I'll put links to the, uh, your website and all your social media in the show notes. Uh, but Thank people you. should follow you on. On the social medias, um, if you want to be like Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, on Twitter, it's Napsa Primates or at Napsa Primates. And I'll put all the other ones in the show notes so you can um, click on the links. And please do follow and share those posts. That'd be sick. But Erica, there are so many questions to get through from listeners. Are you up for um, going through some of these? I am. I'm here. I'm ready. I've, uh, I've, we'll get through as many as we can, but there's quite a few. And um, okay. Uh, yeah, I think they're assuming, I haven't read them to be honest, but I'm assuming they'll be a mix of serious and silly. So let's see how we go. This first one is from Adrian Hernandez Arista in Tempe, Arizona. He asks, how did you find out about uh, primates? As in, I think he uh, means this podcast. And also, oh. <laughs> which do you prefer, simians or pro-simians? <laughs> It'd be like choosing between it's your ch favorite children. Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, let's let's start. So, how did I find out about Primates Podcast? I think it must have been through a Google search, um, a Google alert, I should say, because I get every day I get an alert of everything on the internet that comes up with monkey or chimp or you know all those all those keywords, and it must have come up, and and I 
I just found you that way. I honestly don't even remember, but that's got to be it. Yeah, well, it feels it must have been a while. It was definitely like a year and a half or something. I think you were a relatively early guest on the show. I might be. Wrong. I think so. This is my fourth time. I think, right? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. We talked about Full House one time. One time about <laughs> Great Escapes. And we did, and then the first one I think was just entertainment, right? Yeah, we talked. I think it was called uh, Hollywood Primates. Where are they now? <laughs> Ah, yes, that sounds familiar. Yeah, so that's cool. Oh, well, I'm um, glad you found us anyway. Uh, Me too. Like I say, one of the most popular guests we have. Do you, can you choose between simians and pro-simians? I can't choose. No, of course not. I would be offending half of the people I work with. <laughs> so the pro-simians <laughs> pro are like the, uh, the little cute ones mainly, aren't they? Like the Tarsiers and the... And the lemurs, yeah. and then we this... keep talking about tarsiers today. You must have tarsiers on the brain. Oh, love a tarsier. They're yes. they're they're cute. cute. They're cute. They are cute. Yeah, they're cute. They look kind of like uh, Australian possums. They do, and you know, they're to me those seem so much more exotic because we see them a lot less in the U.S. in the sanctuary world. So right, you know, they're nocturnal. They they certainly are adorable. Um, We've seen a few bush babies in our sanctuary community. Bush babies are, yeah, they're definitely right there in the cutie pie category. They are, aren't they? Um, so, I mean, you know, every primate species has their pros and cons. I mean, prosimians, I, I think, are, are beautiful and probably frighten me a lot less than some of the other primate species <laughs> yes. if I were to find myself in a room with one. Um Oh, well, I think that's. I think you you handled that answer very well, like a politician almost. You know, diplomatically, an yeah. answer without an answer. Uh, thanks for that <laughs> one, Adrian. Gary J from the UK asks, "What's the best way to see a primate and support the primate community?" He also wants to say, "Apes together strong," which is a classic catchphrase from the Planet of the Ape reboot movies. But so I think he's he's wanting to know if he wants to go see a primate in person, mm-hmm. a non-human primate, but doing it while supporting the primate community, what's the best way of going about it? And I guess if you have, you probably don't have a lot of UK-based knowledge, but uh, that's where well, he is. A lot, some some aspects of the sanctuary and primate world are, are similar there. Um, I think whatever country you're in, um, it's if you can s- help support a primate sanctuary, it would be best. And some of them do offer days throughout the year where they're open to donors. Um, or to, you know, to the general public for a small fee. It's very different from a zoo or a, um, any other type of facility because they're, they're not open frequently or daily. Um, it's really just in very controlled uh, ways that avoid stressing out the animals and allow the public to see what's going on because it's sort of a catch-22. If nobody can see what's going on at a sanctuary, then they could very easily struggle to get donations and to um, continue to provide these services. So if you can, if you can find a primate sanctuary near you and maybe attend one of their open events, uh, throughout the year, that might be your best option. If you want to go to a zoo, I would just ask that you go to an accredited zoo. If you're worldwide, that would mean accredited by the world association of zoos and aquariums. If you're in the U S that would be um, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> very, very you creative don't, names. Don't really see yourselves as part of the world in America, do you? <laughs> I guess not. We're just the association, <laughs> um, and I do actually believe there's 
Well, I, there's other similar associations. So I'm sorry that I can't list them all out now, nor am I familiar with every single one of them. But um, if you have a question, you can always email me through NAPSA and I will help you find an appropriate and responsible way to see non-human primates. Right. Has the, um, I imagine there's a bit more attention to being on uh, legit versus dodgy zoos since the Tiger King phenomenon. Oh boy, <laughs> you had to go there, huh? <laughs> well, no, I just mean, yeah. I mean speaking general. I don't know if you, um, yes, I can speak too specifically about. It. I know uh, there's I I people, people die in that world, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. want you to put yourself in the firing line. Um, well, that for sure. Um, yeah. So what's good about Tiger King is that it brought about an awareness of just how different animal care facilities can be. And someone like Joe Exotic can call his facility a sanctuary and um, engage in practices that a true sanctuary would not engage in, such as petting of animals and photo opportunities and being open to the public on a daily basis and uh, a number of, of these concerning activities. And just so, the tiny cages. Well, yeah. And then there's the quality of care. So what NAPSA always suggests is that you look for accredited sanctuaries. And there are good associations that accredit sanctuaries that are trusted more than others. In the U.S., actually not in the U.S., it's global. Um, the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries is the gold standard when it comes to accrediting sanctuaries. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that Joe Exotic's facility was not accredited by them. Yeah, they so, were close though, weren't they? They fell yeah, over the no. final hurdle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just by a hair. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but there's a lot of these red flags that you what can What about the, the other one? The uh, Oh, I mean, there's a few in there. Would any of those ones featured in that show uh, meet, like the one that's, there's one in there, uh, forget who it's. Big Cat Sanctuary? Yeah, maybe. Is that the one? Yeah. Is that a legit one? Carol that, didn't, that didn't look particularly good either. No, it actually is. That that video is very misleading. That show, I should say, is very misleading. Yeah, right. Um, and did not... Yeah, I mean, you can... Basically, what they were doing was showing footage of a corner of an enclosure that the tigers were in from Big Cat Rescue and saying, this is the enclosure. But what they're not showing is the entire rest of the area. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I have not myself been to Big Cat Rescue, but I know that they're uh, an accredited sanctuary. Okay, and right. Oh, that's interesting. That tells yeah, you a really lot right there. Looking at it, I'm like, oh, this isn't what it, they're making it sound like. And they certainly have a lot of visitors and that sort of stuff, right? So it's not quite at the top end of what you're talking about where they only let people in once or twice a year. Well, it, it there, you know, there's just different opinions on what's appropriate with that and it's really up to each sanctuary so i don't want you are to... good at poli being a politician uh... I, can f I can feel you squirming and i'm not really here to uh, ask you the hard questions <laughs> so let's go on <laughs> to the, the next one which is from detective herbert covington from columbus <laughs> in georgia oh my uh he's put in brackets yee-haw <laughs> okay is that a columbus georgia uh, catchphrase Yeehaw. Um, yeehaw makes me think of Texas more than Georgia. Yeah, okay. That, that sounds like a cowboy thing. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. But, you know, I, I don't right. know everything about Columbus, Georgia. So 
I'll take the detec- the good detective's word for it. He asks, I've never been there. Yeah. Uh, what is it about primates that made you want to become a primate advocate? Was there a moment you decided you wanted to do this specifically or did it just happen? Well, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think it grew over time. So I think I was always interested in primates in a very vague way. Like, I guess I thought they were cute and smart. And then um, when I was in college, it was the last semester of my senior year and I was basically done. And I had a little extra space in my schedule and there was an introduction to primatology course. And I thought, wow, that looks cool. I'm going to take that. And my roommate thought I was crazy because I didn't have to take it. And I could have just, you know, bummed around and done something else and not spent my time on it. But I was just really fascinated by it. And I took the course and I loved it. And I think from there, it just grew and grew. Um, I remember in that course that we learned about um, the sign language capabilities of chimpanzees. And I was always very interested in language and I was an English major. So to think that another species could communicate with humans with a shared language just blew my mind. Yeah. And I couldn't get enough of it. And then after, you know, I graduated, I didn't. I, w- I always say I wish I found that course earlier in my college career because I think I would have changed my major and maybe even gone to another school um, to major in primatology. Um, but then after I graduated, I had moved on and I was living in New York City and I would take the bus to work every day. I worked in retail and um, and I would read books on the bus. and It was always about chimps and sign language and all these studies that went on in like the 70s. And the more I read about it, the more I realized that they weren't actually so great um, at all for the animals. Um, But it just, it started expanding my mind and I just wanted to learn more and more and it grew from there. So um, that's where it started. And then it led to me reaching out to primate sanctuaries to say, okay, what can I do? I want to work in your field, but I don't know how to start. Do I need another degree? And then they, uh, one offered me the chance to go and intern. So I went to Kentucky for a week and I interned at a primate sanctuary that had 12 chimps at the time. And, and it felt like, (laughs) I'll never forget when I was driving down the little driveway to get to the sanctuary for the first time, I heard the chimps hooting and I felt like I was about to meet celebrities (laughs) and that, that won't make sense to people that aren't into primates. But to me, uh, like, I'll never forget that feeling that excitement and just like electricity like oh my god those are real chimps and i'll be near them and it just was so cool i guess that's that's probably what um people like gary J they want to they want to feel that without feeling the guilt part and that's why it's yeah got to find the sanctuaries Mm -hmm. that are um uh uh yeah alliance approved yeah yeah it just felt different than seeing them elsewhere you know um because i knew that they were really cared for in a special way at a sanctuary. And I knew that they had been through some crazy, horrible um, past histories in their lives with, you know, whether it was laboratory or living in someone's basement or something, you know, and just to see them thriving now, I was like, wow, these incredible beings. I can't like, it was like an honor to be near them. So that's what makes me excited to do the work I do now because I get to help them. And, you know, when we're, faced with this rescue effort, like the one in LA for these 32 chimps, um, it, that's what spurs everyone on. Cause we know these animals are so worthy and they've overcome so much already that they really deserve, you know, a better life. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. And can I, um, I need to correct something I said earlier cause already I made a stupid mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> I said I would, right. 
um, when we were talking about Big Cat Rescue, I just wanted, I was Googling to make sure that they're accredited by the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries. It's not coming up as an accredited facility, and I'm not sure if that's my misunderstanding. I'm just not sure. So I just want to put it, go out on the record and say, please, you know, do your research and make sure before you visit a sanctuary that they're accredited or, you know, trusted in some way, and you can contact me for further details on that. But I didn't want to put yeah. out oh, no, wrong great. information. I yeah. appreciate that. I wouldn't want um, I wouldn't want anyone listening to this uh, primate podcast about primates and popular culture getting any sort of slightly off information because this is where uh, people come to for <laughs> for quality information and I, I don't want to let I don't, it. I don't want to let anyone down. I don't want it to be my fault that, you know, someone <laughs> Well, no, they, the they actually will listen to you. That's the difference. Um, well, that's the problem. <laughs> uh, Herbert, uh, also, you just had one follow-up question. I'll probably, I'll probably have to start just picking one question for the people who did double questions. But he also said, um, does Andy from Toy Story fall under the protection of NAPSA? Andy? B- Isn't Andy the boy? Yeah. I, I mean, what a ridiculous question. Of course not. Andy is perfectly fine on his own. <laughs> Yeah, and, but I mean, because there's a regular guest, second banana on the show, Munro Smith. That's his favourite primate. Oh. Andy from Toy Story. Now, feel free to speak openly here. That's stupid, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard Evan on the show before, and I guess I've heard that, and I didn't realize it was a, a repeat refrain on the on yeah, the show. Yeah, not even a joke. Like just a why... genuine belief he has. Why, why? Why? He's not a monkey or a chimp. Yeah, he's. He, he mean just because he's like a. Uh, he's a. He's a human, so technically a primate. a primate. He was getting us in on a, some sort of a loophole, but. But why Andy? Why Andy? Such a good question. This is very confusing. I wish he was here so you could grill him. He's always here. I guess he's just never here when I'm here. That's the. Yeah, that's true. Mm, makes yeah. you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder. He's he's avoiding your questions. What's up with that? Yeah, Dad? very good question. Uh, I'll put it to him next time I see him. Uh, Josh, I think you need to do questions for him now next. Yeah, maybe I should. Um, yeah, I'm going to submit that. Josh Harmon from Dallas, Texas. Yeehaw, maybe. Uh, asks, <laughs> that sounds better, yeah. Are there any examples of primates forming monogamous relationships? I guess non-human primates, because I like my parents are in a monogamous relationship. <laughs> that's what you think. Well, that's a good point. What do you and Josh <laughs> Harmon know that I don't know? Um. That's a really good question, and um, I should probably know that. I think it's very rare, and I'm looking. I don't know that off the top of my head, but but Google's telling me. Oh, gibbons! Gibbons uh, are strictly monogamous. That's a gibbon, according to the internet right now. So again, don't <laughs> quote me on that. You but can't yeah, always I think most trust of them, the internet. Yeah, most of them engage in these we call it fission fusion relationships where like group members come and go. Um, particularly, you know, you think about chimpanzees and bonobos and they have a lot I of, I do think about them. Yes. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I know you do. Um, I know Evan doesn't, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I guess it's, I guess it's mostly gibbons and that's it. I think everyone else in general is uh, polyamorous. <laughs> yeah. Yep, very yeah. California, very Hollywood. You'd be all about that. <laughs> now, good on you. If there's any poly listeners, good on you. I don't really 
<laughs> There's nothing thoughts. wrong with that. I did not are. mean to make light of that. I know the poly <laughs> community can be uh, pretty militant. I don't. That's not even true. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying. <laughs> what are you what saying? What am I about doing? Them? Oh no! This is why I should edit. But um, they're primates too, you know. So they are. I've got no look. Some of my best friends are poly. Probably. I don't pry. <laughs> or fully understand what it means, but. Well, I know good you on love everybody. assumptions. Yeah. I say good on everybody. Good on everybody who's not uh, doing bad things. Love is love, Matt. Love Come is on. love. I'm not, look, if it's love, it's great. Good. Hey, good on everyone who's loving. Uh, and that excludes all the haters out there, if you know what I mean. Okay. I, I think we got and through that. Oh, given. my God. Ugh, yeah. I'm sweating Everyone's okay. here. It's okay. Everything's fine. Uh, well, thank you for that question, Josh Harmon. Uh, what did you do, Josh? From yeah. <laughs> he's trying to wed a couple of chimps uh, on <laughs> on like like maybe he's he's playing Animal Crossing. I don't know if there are chimpanzees mm-hmm. on there, and he's trying to get them married, and they just will not marry. Mm. Anyway, uh, yeah. Danny McMeans from Sacramento, California. That's probably pretty close to you, is it? Eh, not really, it's but it's California. Capital. It's the capital of California. I know it's that. It's closer than Australia. Yeah, uh, it's north and you're south. It's north. Correct. All right. You're, you're, in, you're way better than geography than I am. You're in La La Land. That's right. In my ball gown in La La Land. You should um, you should uh, do another podcast. We just started a YouTube series. It's called Do Go On. And to, a new episode, well, the first episode came out today, and it's about the history of the Hollywood sign. I learned so Ooh, much. That's cool. Yeah. I want to see that. I want to watch that. Yeah, you should. I think you'd enjoy it. You'll learn, you'll, you'll, learn, you'll laugh, you'll live. The big three. I, you know, I, I can see the sign when I drive on the highway. Sometimes really? And it's, yes, and it still excites me every time. Oh, that's cool. You gotta you gotta get a photo near it and send it to me sometime. Oh. But yeah, watch that video. I reckon. I'd love to. I reckon you'll be like, holy shit! I didn't know. Oh, maybe you know all of it. Maybe that's locals know no. the whole history. I don't know anything about it, and I've only lived here for not even five years. So I, there's a whole lot I don't know about LA. Yeah, it was five years ago. You got your big big break in Hollywood. That's right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, did I ask his question? No. Danny McMeans from Sacramento, California, which is up north, uh, he asks, Universal or Disneyland, which is your favorite? Oh, boy. I have a very particular answer to that. Uh, I am not a Disney person at all. I oh. have been to Disney once in my life. I live 45 minutes from Disneyland and have never been there. And I have a young child who has never been there, and I don't feel bad. Okay. And, but she's been to Universal. We just went to Universal Studios for the first time because I'm just not a theme park kind of person, but um, she wanted to go for her eighth birthday and we went and we had a great time. Oh, so cool. I'm all about Universal. You've, is your Disneyland beef primate related? Not at all. I just don't care for it. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't care for it. Well, I don't. I, 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 hope, I hope you don't um, look up who owns everything now. <laughs> <laughs> Because you've got very limited options in terms of doing things because Disney uh, now own everything. Well, I'm not saying I avoid everything Disney. It's just if I have a weekend free, I'm not right. going to run to Disney World okay. or Disneyland. And you said you've been to Disney once, but you've never been to Disneyland. What does that mean? No, I'm sorry. I, I've been to Disney World because oh. I grew up on the East Coast of the U.S., and gotcha. Disney World is in Florida, and that was just, I just went when I was a kid one time for a vacation. Home but, of the Orlando Magic. <laughs> there you go with the sports again. <laughs> yeah, I, I do believe you're correct on that one. 
Uh, okay, well, great answer, Danny. I wonder if you were <laughs> expecting that much passion. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, that was an easy one for me. I'm guessing uh, some relation to Danny, uh, also from Sacramento, Kate McMeans <laughs> asks... Wow. Unless McMeans is a very popular name in Sacramento, but uh, I imagine it's more than a coincidence. Kate asks, what is your go-to story about your job? And also, you have the coolest job ever. Oh, thanks, Kate. Jeez, a go-to, uh, my go-to story. Oh, that's tough. That you can um, tell publicly. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, there's plenty of stories of pet owners that have contacted me about trying to get their primate pets in sanctuaries. And some of those are quite unique situations and unique personalities that would have a monkey or an ape as a pet. And I think you can imagine that. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. uh, Joe exotic. Is he sort of just like the tip of the iceberg? Yeah. He's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's that, it's often people like Joe Exotic who love exotic animals, but sort of have a misguided way of showing that love. Um, and, you know, two of Joe Exotic's um, chimps ended up at Center for Great Apes in Florida, which, which is, is an APSA member sanctuary. Yeah. yeah, we've talked about them many times on the, on the podcast because they get a lot of entertainment chimps and orangutans. Um, they care for them at their sanctuary. So right. we've, we've talked about Center Bubbles for Great Apes. ended up? Yes, bubbles and the orangutans from basically every movie. <laughs> like uh, uh, any which way Dunst- but loose, probably. Yeah, Dunstan checks in. Um, I think one of the Jay and Silent Bob movies had yeah, one. Yeah, the Strikes Back had an orangutan. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and the Flintstones. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. Uh, Stone Age orangutans. Yeah. I think, you know, I think some of, some of my... Um, you know, she wants a story. I think getting to see Jane Goodall at um, a few events has been really um, special for me just because she is someone who inspires, inspired me from the beginning and so many other people that to see her in person is sort of like seeing, you know, a deity or something. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, that's fun. So that that's a fun story. That's um, when this show comes back after the break. I'd, I'm really keen to do a, a biography episode about Jane Goodall. Yeah, I, you should. Because I, I don't know that much about her apart from the fact that she's sort of like a patron saint of primates. Mm-hmm. And she is just a force. Like she, she's 80-something years old now, and until COVID-19 happened, um, she was still traveling like 300-plus days a year around the world um, You know, to give speeches and visit uh, primate facilities and she I mean just it's just pretty unfathomable unfathomable um I, I remember hearing someone that works with her said they asked her does she ever get jet lagged and she said no because wherever I am that's just what time it is and I just you know sleep or I'm awake or that's what it is and I move on and <laughs> that taught me to stop being a big baby every time <laughs> I travel <laughs> oh man yeah that's cool I know, and at eighty something years old, it's like very impressive. So, I'm, um, I, I yeah, um, you should... yeah, I'm I'm fascinated, and I've heard there's great films and books. So there's like lots of lots of uh, places I can um, do the research pretty easily. Yeah, you have no excuse for not doing it. Pretty now. well documented <laughs> life. 
I would say so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you have numerous films about you, yeah. Okay. Uh, the next question comes from Yuma in Arizona from Blake Wild. Uh, Blake asks, how often do people mispronounce your name? <laughs> That's a good question. In California, they um, they don't mispronounce it, but they don't they don't know they don't really pronounce it at all. They sort of stumble over it. Um, <laughs> they don't pronounce it. What, how, what does that mean? I don't know. Or, they like they just like hesitate, and then they say like "fluray" or something. Fluray. Um, but where I lived in, I used to live in Connecticut, and that was somewhat near Canada, where "flurry" is a very common name in French Canadian culture. So in in Connecticut, it's much more common, and you see French names a lot. Right. In California, you don't see it so much. So where's is Connecticut? Is that in the middle or is that up? No, that's the east. That's like northeast, it's, is it? It's northeast. Yeah, it's near like Massachusetts and New York. Yeah, and Maine? And Maine is a little bit is higher up, but yeah, right. it's not far from Maine. Yeah, cool. Oh, that sounds like a cool place to have uh, yeah. grown up. It looks like halfway between Boston and New York. Yes, it's it's a, it's a good place. Lots of, lots of Frenchies there because they come down from Canada. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah. Man, we yeah. were we were going to be coming to America in October, probably, if it oh. wasn't for the whole worldwide pandemic thing that's going on. What a selfish oh, thing. Oh, what a, yeah, this pandemic's actually been pretty shit. It meant I couldn't go away for a while. It really sucks. <laughs> yeah, and you know, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people have died, but... Well, but I know, but I mean, I know you were saying that you were going to be traveling. You've been planning this for a while, so it was actually coming to fruition, huh? Yeah, that's right. And I, but I mean, um, a lot of people were planning on continuing to live. So, you know, right. um, there's, <laughs> there's pros and cons uh, both ways. Well, actually, mainly cons, but the cons a are lot of, cons. Of, of different sizes, I guess. Um, there's no pros. <laughs> the next question, geez, I'm saying some regrettable things today. The next question comes. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> from Joelle in Delaware. That's another place. Delaware? I, that's where I went to college. That's where I took the primatology course. Oh. All I know Dela- about Delaware is that when in Wayne's world where they're doing these green screen things, they're going, hey, we're in this place. Hey, we're in Hawaii. Hey, we're in Delaware. Uh, <laughs> hi, <laughs> we're in Delaware. Where, so Delaware, I'm just looking up. That's sort of south. <laughs> that's south of where you grew up, southwest yeah. of New York City. Yeah, south of New Jersey. Um, I, I remember when I, you know, I was only in Delaware for a few years when I was in college and um I remember hearing that there's more chickens than humans in Delaware. Wow, that's a cool stat. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah. A, is it is that Wayne's World joke? Is that there's no cliche about Delaware? Is that there's the not much. There's not much to it. I mean, it's a, it's a peaceful place, and right. I liked the college. But beyond the college, um, I don't know much about Delaware. <laughs> chickens. Chickens. Beyond the chickens, I don't know much about Delaware. Uh. I- all right, let me see what the. Did she have a question or did she? Oh, she be all right, I'll I'll ask her a question, I guess. <laughs> so <this is> from, <laughs> you don't sound excited. From Joelle, oh, I haven't read it yet. It's probably great. Oh. Uh, Joelle from Delaware. I'm excited. What a great name. What a great city. Joelle <laughs> asks, "Is there any hopeful news about non-human primates in captivity? Do you feel like things are changing for the better?" Oh, that is a good question. That really is. So for all of her. picking on Joelle in Delaware. Um, Yeah, that's a great question. And I absolutely feel optimistic. Um, And a lot of my coworkers who have been doing this a lot longer than I have, people that, you know, founded primate sanctuaries 30, 40 years ago, 
um, are pretty thrilled to see the speed with which it's all sped up um, in the last, let's say, 10, 15 years. Um, so chimpanzees, you know, were used in laboratories in huge numbers in the 90s, especially for AIDS research, but even before that. Um, and in 2000, oh, I don't want to screw this up, 2015, they uh, ended the funding for chimpanzee research in the U.S. And, um, and then, ch so chimp then it was announced that chimpanzee research would not continue. And so there are still, you know, there are still some chimps in labs, but they are moving out of the labs in much greater numbers than they ever have before. They're not being tested on anymore. And eventually in a few years, I'm guessing it's more like five years, maybe less, um, they should all be out of the labs and in sanctuaries. And that's, a humongous thing that a lot of people worked really hard for and and wanted but never you know they probably had a lot of fears that it would never actually happen so you know that's a huge thing to celebrate so cool. um yeah it's so cool and then when it comes to monkeys in labs there's hundreds of thousands still in labs and that's depressing but um i do foresee that changing over time i do think public opinion is shifting at least pre-covid 19. COVID-19 threw a bit of a wrench in that. Um, but in general, I think that the use of primates in the pet trade um, in some places is dwindling, and that's great. In other places, not so much, but I think it'll get there. I think it's just really slow, and we all wish this would speed up and happen even quicker. But eventually, I think we're going to look back, and one day there will be a time when primates are not exploited in these ways, in entertainment, in lab research, in the pet trade. And they'll hopefully just be living their lives in the wild or living out the remainder of their lives in sanctuaries. So um, sanctuaries always say they're the only industry that work to put themselves out of business. And it's true. Yeah, they, well that, they don't want to be needed. That yeah. is sort of an exciting prospect is that you can all retire early. That's the good thing. You get If you get all your work done, you can just um, yeah. retire and live a long, happy yeah. retirement. That's it. And that's, you know, what we're working for. Um, we've got a ways to go, but it's nice to even hear those questions because it means that people care. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you we'll get there. You, you just sounded a little bit like you were being remixed by Kanye West or something. Had oh, bit, sorry. <laughs> a bit of a, wish. an auto-tune thing going on. It's Los Angeles, but that's not happening right now. No. Um, no, uh, Kanye does not go from house to house in LA remixing everyone's audio. Um, that oh, would be nice, but it sounds like he's in your house right now. But maybe not. I've is looked this up still happening? Delaware apparently. Uh, it is a little bit, but well, let's just ride it out. Uh, <laughs> Delaware <laughs> apparently, uh, according to their Wikipedia page, Delaware's agricultural output consists of poultry, nursery stock, soybeans, dairy products, and corn. So, you know, there's a bit going on there. Yeah, it's a farming place. Um, until 2003, Delaware was uh, among the several states enforcing blue laws and banned the sale of liquor on Sundays. Interesting. I didn't know Delaware was one of them, but I knew Connecticut was one. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> that is fascinating. Thank you, Kanye. Um, so do I still sound like that? You do a little bit. Should, maybe we should pause uh... and see and reconnect or something. Okay, do you want to do that? Let me just pause. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, we're back. We didn't really Kanye. go away because uh, Kanye's Kanye left and Erica's voice improved immediately. I told him to go back to Kim. Oh, okay. They yeah. still together? Can yeah, they're Kim? you know they're my neighbors. They live next door. Right, of course. Yeah, they all have K as their first letter. Have you never noticed that? I have noticed that. I have a K in my name, <gasps> but it's just not my first letter. Oh, so that's you... probably why he like came for a little bit and then he left because yeah. he was like, "No, your first name doesn't begin with a K." He'll never marry you. No, <laughs> good thing I'm married. <laughs> all right. Well, that was a great question from Joel. The next one comes from Finland from. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> it's harder than flurry, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if some of these letters are L's or I's. I'm going to say <laughs> Ilka Ilamaki. And that's, apologies for the pronunciation there. I uh, like Ilka. It's a great name. <laughs> and Ilka, Sounds like Erica. <laughs> Ilka asks, if you could have lunch with one primate, dead or alive, who would it be? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> does she mean a human too because uh i guess so it could be you know like uh it could be a, a cartoon character or it could be anyone i guess oh my god oh the pressure for me it would have to be caesar from the planet of the apes reboots but really uh, yeah andy circus controlling them in the ball suit in the next mm. room that'd be great fun oh my gosh my head is swimming i just cannot think of the best answer i can think of lots of hmm. you know what yeah okay <laughs> i know i'm supposed to answer but um i think right now and this i think i might say um so i have this grandmother who was really into um books and she was a librarian uh in before uh i was born <laughs> and um and she was always into books and after she passed away I think she would have loved to see my work um like I have a book that's out I'm writing my second book and I've been published in publications that I think she loved like National Geographic I think she would have loved to see that and I would love to sit down with her and like show her what I've been up to because she would really be into it yeah cool well that's a nice yeah. answer well that's better than like some stupid celebrity you know <laughs> yeah not that I'm sorry, not all celebrities are stupid, but you know what I mean. I think that would be more meaningful to me than like Benjamin Franklin or something. Yeah, totally. Benjamin yeah. Franklin, just another stupid celebrity. <laughs> That's uh. I mean. That sounded really uh, uh, degrading. I didn't mean to cast such scorn on Benjamin Franklin. But a great question from question from Ilka. Here's another question from Finland. This one comes from Helsinki. This is from Santiri Raikkonen. And he asks, as many of us are cooped up at home, a question on everybody's mind is what would it take to transition from amateur primatologist to professional? What do you need to study? Is there a license required? Where to move so I can live among the primates as an equal? And so on. Thank you <laughs> and stay sage, stay safe. Oh, that's nice. What a thoughtful question. 
I would say, and this is, I sort of hit on this earlier in the podcast, uh, but I had the same question when I was starting out. And it turns out that um, there are a select few universities that do offer primatology degrees. And if you can get that, that's fabulous. And that's probably your best start. But not everyone can, and that's okay. And you can also get experience caring for primates at sanctuaries. You can intern, you can volunteer when COVID-19 is not happening. <laughs> you can um, also do the same at a number of zoos and, and get animal care experience. And I remember when I was starting out, I was told to just get any animal care experience, even if it's training dogs, because um, the same principles of patience and gentle mannerisms and, you know, kind of is universal amongst animal care in general. So um, there's some flexibility there, but you just have to start. And I remember being really overwhelmed at first in the beginning. And my family that knew how much I cared about this said, you just have to start. Do what you love. You love it. It'll make sense eventually. <laughs> That's what I did. And so I found my way by reaching out to places, seeing how I could help, seeing what I could do. There was a few years where all I did from home was um, I handled the social media campaigns and I did writing for a sanctuary and I did it from home because I couldn't move to where they were located. Um, but I, I did have some skills to offer and then I got more familiar with them and then that led to the job I have now and it just sort of snowballs. So I think... I think reaching out to facilities near you, and if you have questions, you can certainly write to me at NAPSA, and I'd be happy to give you advice based on where you're located. I forget where this question originated from. Uh, Helsinki. Helsinki. I don't know anything about primates in Helsinki, um, but um, I'm happy to share with you what I do know or to connect you with people that know more in your area. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Robert in Cashelton, England. Uh, Robert asks, oh, the first question you've sort of already asked, when did you first realize you wanted to work in the field? But the follow-up is maybe a bit different. Uh, what did you want to be when you were a child, if different? And also, mm -hmm. Robert says, keep up the amazing work on helping these incredible animals. Aw, another nice question. Thanks, Robert. Um, I, When I was a child, I wanted to write and illustrate my own books. Oh, cool. And yeah, so I was always into writing, always into art. Um, and then in college, I did a little bit of both and settled on writing. And and since then, I actually have written a book. And I have just finished my second book, but it's not uh, being it's not ready for publication at this very moment. But hopefully, within a few months, it will be. Sweet. So I look, yeah, we'll have to have another podcast so I can talk about it then. That sounds good. Are you illustrating them? No, it's just written. <laughs> I want a picture uh, book, please. It's not a picture <laughs> book. Um, but if you want to look for it, it's on Amazon. It's called Monkey Business, A History of Non-Human Primate Rights. Awesome. And, um, you know, and that's something that I actually completely left out of my previous replies. Um, when I was at a stage where I knew I wanted to support this movement to get primates more protections, but I knew I wasn't in a position to move to work at a sanctuary, and I wanted to use my skills that I had. I thought, oh, um, you know, I'm really good at writing, and and I had read all these books that I mentioned before about like sign language and, and then animal rights, and I realized there's no book out there on the history of primate rights. And I knew that it was um, growing and changing so quickly, and I knew that one day 
you know, we'd be at this point that we're at now where like chimps aren't used in, in lab research anymore. Uh, so I wrote that book because I wanted to document what had happened and, and sort of solidify that as a real movement because it is. And so that's why I wrote that book. And um, it was a way for me to use my skills to, to help the movement. And I'm, I'm happy about that. And that's something that other people could do, could do as well. So I wanted to make sure I didn't leave that out. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, well, it's, it's cool. You've sort of um, you're you're living all your dreams at once. <laughs> at various times, I have, and I think that's because I have good support system and people that have really taught me to pursue what I love, and that's the dream, right? To do to make a living doing what you love. Totally. So I'm fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah, that's that's got to be the yeah. That feels like that should be the main dream for most people. Probably is, I imagine. Um, I think so. <laughs> the next question comes from Cornwall in the UK from Nick Lean, and he asks: With the world uh, in a panic over a certain beer named Virus, and okay, Corona, <laughs> very good, and the end times right around the corner, what primate would you pick to be your sidekick in the apocalypse? <laughs> I would pick a chimpanzee if we could somehow have an agreement that he or she would not attack me. Yeah. Because I feel like he or she could protect me from others attacking me and taking my supplies. Great. Yeah, I think you need an, you need to form some sort of an alliance uh, uh, and mm-hmm. a, you have an unwritten rule where you won't attack each other. And perhaps sign language could help that come to be. Yeah, it feels like yeah, side you know as a sidekick. I think that that goes without saying that you don't attack each other. <laughs> That's true. So just chimpanzee is my answer then. Great. Um, the next one <laughs> comes from Dempsey in uh, Sioux. I'm going to say Sioux Falls, South Dakota. S I O U X. You got it. Hey, cool. Um, Dempsey asks, as far as you're aware. Are the industry standards standards for the treatment of animals in movies and TV humane enough that the that the, that animal has a comfortable life as a showbiz monkey? Well, I think I know the answer to this one. What do you think the answer is? Um, no, like there there isn't. You can't possibly have a standard high enough because mm-hmm. that's not what they're meant to be doing, and it's um to train a monkey to act is sort of inherently inhumane. Is it something like that? Bravo. Give me a yes, biscuit. It is. <laughs> yes, you get many biscuits. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, so people, like, eat, there are organizations that supposedly ensure the safety and well-being of the animals on set when they're filming. And even if the animal is not suffering while filming, what the audience isn't seeing or considering most of the time is the entire lifetime of that animal where they're born, taken from their mothers right after birth so that they can be better handled and trained uh, and so the mother can produce more babies more quickly. And then how the animal is trained, how he or she is is housed, and that might mean a lot of transport transportation to you know performing or acting you know in certain locations. Um, it's very troubling and very unnatural for primates to be living in those highly humanized situations. They need to be with other primates. They need to be expressing their natural uh, behaviors, and they just can't do that when they're used in entertainment. So when they're retired from entertainment, um, they have a lot of issues, just like when they're retired from other instances of exploitation. Um, 
and we see that when they're in the sanctuaries. But um, Matt is absolutely right that they're it's it's not a good life for them, and so that's why NAPSA does a lot of advocacy work about ending their use in entertainment because the ends doesn't even come close to justifying the means of how that all comes to be. You know, you laugh for a few minutes at a screen and, and meanwhile a, whole, a monkey or an ape has 40 years of life that is awful, you know, for that to come to be. And that's just not okay. Uh, thank you for that question, Dempsey. Um, Sioux Falls in South Dakota sounds like a nice place. I've never been there, but it, I think it is a nice place. Just something, yeah. I mean, I'm going off just the four words, Sioux Falls, <laughs> South Dakota, and it sounds like paradise. Uh, the next one comes from Scott Coventry in Glasgow. And Scott asks, what's your favorite animal besides a monkey or primate? Because there are others. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> You've got Thank your blinkers you. on. Stop looking down this tunnel vision right at the monkeys. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Um, my current favorite animal right now, you might laugh, but um, it's a snail. <laughs> because they live in great numbers uh, in the area of Los Angeles where I am. And I don't know why, but there's a lot of them. And they come out when it rains and uh, when it's damp out or even just in the mornings. And my daughter absolutely loves them, and she runs around and saves them all by picking them off the sidewalk so that nobody steps on them and crushes them. And when she first started, I uh, I admit I was a little bit grossed out by snails, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't nice to say because they're just as deserving as any other animal of living. Um, but you know, like I didn't want to hold them because they're slimy. <laughs> but but I've grown to love them, and they have these cute little faces and, and not faces, cute little. <laughs> head areas <laughs> and antenna. Oh, their and head areas are so cute. <laughs> <laughs> but I've grown to appreciate them and I find them really sweet. And the little baby ones are tiny. I mean, they're like the size of your smaller than your pinky fingernail. And they have these little shells and they're adorable. Yeah, so, right. Isn't it funny? That's funny. I never really think about it. But snails get a real bad rap. They do, and they're not as slow as you would think. Right, people they, hate them because they're they 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 eat flowers and stuff. I think gardeners do. hate them, but I'm not yeah, a gardener. But, I don't have a garden they, really, so. <laughs> so you can love them. I'm yeah, I'm cool with them. I definitely avoid stepping on them if that's what <laughs> if that counts as love. If I yeah, see them on the footpath, I walk around them. Yeah, once in a while I've stepped on one by accident because it's dark out or something and it looks like a rock and, and, and you hear it crunch and it's just the worst feeling in the world. Yeah, yeah, um, So it's that. good to save, you know, my daughter wants to save the snails, like I say, help save primates. And I always say to her, but what are you saving them from? Because I don't know if they're particularly endangered or threatened, but um, she does save them on the sidewalk so that, you know, each one matters and I'm proud of her for that. That's great. I reckon that is one of the last answers Scott Coventry was expecting when he asked that question. Uh, I, I keep everyone on their toes, don't I? You do. The next one comes from Dublin in Ireland from Connor Tyrrell, who asks, after, uh, apart from primates, oh, what are the odds of this? He asked basically what? the exact same question. What are your favorite animals? But also, do you have any pets? Yes, I have a dog who is very old. She's almost 18 years old. She's a Chihuahua Dachshund mix, and she's really cute. 
and she was rescued from Puerto Rico. She was a little street dog that was homeless. And um, so she's still with us and, and we're keeping her comfortable in her, the twilight of her years. Um, at, her name is Selena. And then we have a fish named Pinky in my daughter's room and a snail that lives in there. And he is a, you know, a, a snail meant to live in a fish tank in the water. And his name is Bud. Yeah, right. Do you think there's anyone <laughs> listening who are like, hey, free them, free that fish? Probably. And they may email me about that. And that's, they're right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny those sort of things. Are, I mean, you you open up my mind to thinking about the things way more. I mean, you, totally with. I I think um, like the question that Dempsey asked before before we spoke, I would have been thinking the same thing. Is it is it possible to have animals uh, on set humanely? I'm not mm-hmm. thought about. You know, didn't think about it the bigger picture as much. You've opened my mind to a lot of things. Oh, now that's I'm, nice. I'm opening your mind up to the fact that that fish, like Nemo, needs to go back to the ocean. You are opening up my mind to so many things, including uh, <laughs> even the Orlando if it's a Magic. freshwater fish. Just get it yeah. in there. <laughs> the freeing the fish and the um, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Beautiful and, place. And, I yeah, right. All these things that that are new to me. That's great. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, the next question <laughs> comes from that dog. Sounds cool. I'm not particularly a dog person, but and I don't really know what that is. A dachshund, but it sounds cool. Oh, oh you don't know what a yes, you do. Like a wiener dog. Oh, wiener dog. You don't. <laughs> There's a, one of my favorite songs from a couple of years ago. Uh, had the phrase or the words wiener dog in the chorus wiener dog (laughs) the song was called sports by uh, the viagra boys look it up great tune oh wow that sounds really interesting wiener dog they're from i think they're from sweden well why do you call the dogs you must have them in australia they're Uh, uh are they sausage dogs yeah, like a, sure it's gotta be they're brown they're like long and skinny yeah are they uh they're called a dachshund da- here. Oh, they're called dachshunds. dachshunds. Oh, well, same There's thing. You just pronounce could... it differently. Oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I wish you could see me, everybody. My head just blew up. <laughs> we are learning so much. Oh, my much. God. Wait. What do yeah. you call them? Doc- dachshund. Dachshund. Right, because that's what it says. American, like the difference, Americans just say what the words spell. Like it's all phonetic, really. No. Although Sioux, Sioux Falls is not the case. <laughs> and but 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 to be fair, Dachshund is sort of spelled Dachshund. Yeah, the C H S. Yeah. Right, and I'm not German. I think that's a German. I'm, actually, I am German, <laughs> but I don't know how to speak German, so I don't know how it. I how don't. You would say I it don't know. I may. I'm doubting. <laughs> I'm, I'm all of a sudden doubting that I have even ever heard anyone say Dachshund. But there no, is there's a I dog um, uh, a guest, semi-regular guest on the show, Ben Russell, has a, a Dachshund or a Dachshund or whatever they are called. <laughs> a wiener dog. Wiener dog. And it's called 50 Cats because I think because it's as, it's, it's cool as 50 Cats put together. That's his dog's name? Yeah, 50 Cats. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> you sound impressed. I can read tone really well, and that tone no, said impressed. No, no, that's a that's a very unique name. That's cool. I I wasn't being facetious for once. Okay. Well, Promise. anyway, uh, that's blown my mind. The dashhound doxing thing. 
Uh, it's always good to have me on the show. It is. The next one comes from Bradford in England from Ash Dickinson. And the question is, why was Ken Allen the best orangutan? Do you know about Ken Allen? Also no, known as Harry Houdini. Um, <laughs> it was an orangutan. I think it's a pretty sad story, but it, it was uh, held in a zoo and it escaped multiple times just through oh. its own genius. Um, he, I, Ken Allen is the name of the orangutan. Yeah, uh, if I'm remembering oh. that right. Or, no, no, I looked it up. Ken Allen, there's a Wikipedia page. What a strange name for yeah. an orangutan. Harry Houdini, yeah. So he he passed away in 2000. But yeah, so, okay. it was, yeah. I mean, the saddest part of the story is that it was obviously not enjoying zoo life to the extent that it actively escaped multiple times. But the cool thing is that he achieved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wow, a, it's I didn't mixed emotions. I, I probably should know about him. Yeah, um, you should look into him. Where where where, where did he escape from? I think it was an American orangutan. Yeah, San Diego Zoo. He was born there and lived his whole life there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, primates in general are really smart and they're really good with their fingers and at figuring out puzzles and things like that. And there's numerous cases of them escaping enclosures because they they figure out how to work the locks they figure out how to break the locks and you know break the bars things like that um which is why it's so important that sanctuaries meet really high standards for safety because as you can imagine you know chimpanzees getting loose or you know at least orangutans are somewhat peaceful but other primates getting loose could be really disastrous and dangerous yeah did you you would have seen on the news a few months ago pre-covid we, it's funny that we're living in. Well, no, we're living in a mid-COVID world, but I can't, we I can't wait to be living in a post-COVID world. But, I hate mid-COVID. Yeah, mid-COVID sucks. It does. Sorry to be word. controversial, but <laughs> no, I don't think that is controversial. There was some. There was some uh, in Sydney. Some baboons escaped and were running around the city mm-hmm. a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, that would scare me too. Yeah. Any. I mean, and then the danger, of course, is that people then, you know, you don't want anyone shooting them and it wreaks havoc everywhere. And... It's nearly never the fault of them that they're loose in a city, though, is it? They've, there's been yeah. human error. The firstly, yes. that humans possibly have them in a place they shouldn't be. And then secondly, they've uh, not been looking after them properly. But Exactly. Or someone forgets to use the third lock or something, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. Which is, I, I would count as not looking after them properly. If you're, because you're putting them in danger by letting them run on the streets, you could run in of front course. of a car or whatever. Well, yeah. And to me, I mean, some of the saddest parts of all that is what that must be like for the animal because I, the worst thing in the world to me is like when an animal is scared or doesn't understand or feels helpless and they can't, you know, they're in our, in our environment and can't get safe or can't feel comforted and that's the worst feeling in the world for me to think about so you know to think about them scared and in this chaotic environment when they get loose and you know running around wherever they are it's terrible so yeah it's really important that you know that that's why true sanctuaries and and reputable places are the best because they keep them safe and they keep these types of horrible situations from happening as much as possible totally all right yeah yeah, it's you've you've given me so many new burdens. I was so blissfully unaware of all these things. Look, before I started doing this, I used to think 
primates in movies were adorable and funny too. I used to, you know, people would give me cards with like chimps on them and, and that kind of thing. But then the more you learn, the more you realize how messed up it really is and how you don't want to support that or even just watch it because it just feels dirty. You basically, you've, you've given me the red pill. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm uh, such a Debbie Downer, huh? Nah, it's, uh, truth is power. Um, I'm, you, I'm preaching the truth, man. There's so many more questions. I just uh, I think we're not going to get through nearly a quarter of them, unfortunately. But I'll um, I'll ask you a couple more quick ones. Sure. This one, uh, <laughs> this one's interesting. From Marcos Vasquez from Forked River, New Jersey. Oh. Marcus asks, "Will current day primates evolve into future humans? And what if, and if they do, what are future humans all about? Do they fly?" <laughs> well, current humans will evolve into future humans. I think I have comfort <laughs> that, in saying that. That wasn't his question, though. Uh, he meant non-human primates. Mm, I think so. No, they're going to evolve into future versions of whatever species they are, mm. because that's how evolution works. Unless they and change what the word humans means, I guess. True. Because <laughs> there's a technicality that I think we can get you on. Of course. If we change what it means, what the word human means, then yeah. many species could evolve into being future humans. Okay. Well, that's all I I'm wanted so to... I'm so glad. <laughs> that's yeah. all I wanted to hear you say. Thank you. Thank you, Marcos, for that question. That was great. Uh, I'm Sean... sure he's satisfied. Yeah. Very satisfying answer. Sean yeah. Gallagher from Chicago, the Windy City asks uh so glad we get one more q a since these are my favorite episodes i'm a school counselor and here is my question if you could make one school academic any grade uh one school academic course for the education of animal protection what would it focus on and what grade would you do oh wow um i think i would make it something along the lines of animal ethics or uh, another type of philosophy course on ethics that would involve animal treatment. Because I think most people with a working brain, when you talk to them about animal ethics and you know, when you really get them to think about how animals are treated and why in our culture, so much of it is just because that's just what we do and that's the way it's always been. And, and, um, but when you think about it, why, you know, what are the benefits, what are the costs, it helps people process that and come to their own conclusions about animal treatment. And I have enough, enough faith left in humans that I think most of them would come to the conclusion that we treat animals in a really terrible way in a lot of um, industries. And that should change. And that it wouldn't even cost much to humans to do those changes, which would benefit the animals in a humongous way. And so as for what grade that would be good for or what age, um, I think you can start young. I mean, I've, I've gone to career day at my daughter's school when she was in kindergarten, in first grade, even in preschool. And I talk to the kids about primates as pets and I get them all to raise their hands and agree that they will never get a primate as a pet. <laughs> and, you know, there's age appropriate ways to talk about this without scaring them and, and um, frightening them. But, um, but at any age, I think kids have compassion for animals and maybe even more so when they're younger. And if you start them when they're young, then you can get them to really start thinking critically about 
animal treatment and what they're comfortable with and what is best for the animal and best for the world in general. What? Well, that's, yeah, that sounds, that's smart. Well, what age uh, do you think kids have to be before you start showing them videos of, of chimp pets ripping off faces? No, no age. Cause okay. I think that gives me nightmares. <laughs> Interesting answer. Okay. Um, <laughs> no age. <laughs> I'm just going to go through two more, and I, I reckon I can group a couple of these together. This one, so Tom Rourke from London and Kieran Marshall from uh, Hampshire in the UK both have asked about primates and epidemics or pandemics. Um, Tom Rourke in particular asking if there's ever been any primate epidemics or pandemics and how they were dealt with. And Kieran Marshall uh, talks about how we have similar DNA to a lot of our primate friends. And he was wondering if um, that is a concern with your sanctuaries, if if they can catch it and if, if there's anything that you've been doing um, during the crisis to minimize these risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's scary. Um, so any type of, um, you know, there's different versions of COVID um, the, a few years ago, there's, I think it was COVID-17, um, outbreak amongst primates at sanctuaries in Africa. And, uh, it, it decimated a few populations. Um, it really sickened the chimpanzees in particular, because as your listener mentioned, um, chimpanzees are so similar to, to humans and even other primate species too, not just chimps. Um, so, um, there were some fears really strong fears that the primates uh, in sanctuaries could be as affected by, as humans by COVID-19. Um, and so far, knock on wood, and I'm knocking on all the wood around me right now as I speak, um, so far that has not happened. Um, I, it's like a miracle because if, if coronavirus somehow, you know, was, um, appeared in a sanctuary community, it would spread like wildfire because the sanctuaries don't have the ability to house these animals individually. Um, there's just not enough space. That's just not how they're built. And, and just animals being, you know, the way that they live and they would infect each other constantly. Um, so we haven't seen that. Especially the bonobos, right? Well, yeah. Although fortunately they're not in, they don't need to be in sanctuaries, but they're in zoos. Um, so what the sanctuaries and zoos have been doing is really um, being cautious with their humans because they, of course, need to protect the, the caregivers as well who still have to come to work and care for the animals. So um, there's just been a lot of precautions, just like every industry, I think, um, but, but caution as well to make sure that there's no um, outbreaks amongst the animals in their care. And so far with primates, there have not been any confirmed cases. So... Um, I'm really happy about that. And I hope that since if we've gone this long, we're what, nine weeks in, 10 weeks in, um, I'm hoping that that means that it just won't happen. Um, but, but respiratory illnesses in general are really um, dangerous to, to primates. I know in like gorilla sanctuaries in Africa, um, places that have tourism going in and out, um, there's like some eco-tourist sites. Um, they have to be really careful because uh, someone can, you know, nonchalantly, accidentally spread a cough or a cold that could really harm a population of endangered animals. So it's a real concern. Yeah, right. <clears throat> There's, yeah, that's, uh, it's, you forget how much uh, every industry is affected down to, but you're, yeah, it feels like even most industries, they're just worried about their workers or their customers, yeah. but 
you're having to work about uh, worry about uh, them and your the animals you're looking after as well. Oh yeah, it was scary. Uh, I was just wondering. I'll ask you this off air and edit it out if you say no. Um, <laughs> but um, to get through the rest of the questions, would you be up for doing a second episode for next week? Oh, I would love it. Oh, great, perfect. Well, I won't edit that out so people can hear that. So we'll do ninety nine. <laughs> Uh, part one and 99 part two next week. I don't get to be 100. What the heck? No, I've got, I've got, a, I've got, I'm finishing. Someone special. Well, the hundredth episode is going to be with the same guest who was on episode number, uh, the first episode. Mm-hmm. It's just a bit of bookending sort of stuff. It's nothing I personal, it. Erica. 90, it's okay. A double episode for 99 is the highest compliment you can give in podcasting. <laughs> So. I'm sure you say that to all your guests about <laughs> each episode that they're on. This, but uh, I'll take it. This last question, uh, it's again, this is sort of an amalgamation of two questions. I'll just ask them both and you can answer them together. But I think <laughs> I think they sort of group together pretty well. Uh, okay. Sally Davenport from London asks, why are some gorillas sexy? Asking for a friend. And <laughs> Ronan O'Neill from Kildare in Ireland asks, why are gorillas so naturally jacked? <laughs> I there is this gorilla that people were calling the sexy gorilla and if you google it um his name is Shibani he I think is in Japan um I'm looking it up right now yeah the Higashiyama Zoo and Botanical Gardens in Japan and they call him the sexy gorilla the oh, most handsome yes. gorilla that is a handsome gorilla he is a good looking gorilla There's um, a, the CNN article I found says uh as the headline Japanese women go ape over surprisingly handsome gorilla. <laughs> what a headline. <laughs> I mean, gorillas, they're very muscular. They, they're, they're naturally jacked. They are. They're very powerful beings. Yeah. yeah, and if you've ever heard one, I was, um, I've heard one once do the chest thumping, you know, like what you picture in like yeah. a Tarzan movie. And, and wow, that sound is something else. It sounds like it's like a popping sound, and it's just... Unlike anything I've ever heard. They're basically vegetarian as well, aren't they? I believe so. Yeah. Because yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they're, yeah, maybe a, apart from maybe some insects or something, I think they're basically mm-hmm. vegetarian. Yeah. And I remember reading um, or learning in a primatology course that when animals have a large stomach like gorillas have, um, it usually means that they are highly vegetarian because they need that big gut to process all the leaves and greenery that they are always digesting right and so that helps me remember who's you know who might be vegetarian they yeah so um as well as plants they gorillas also eat insects like ants and termites and like chimpanzees yeah Yeah. so they're very yeah basically close to vegetarian close but i mean you said before who (laughs) snails deserve to live as much as anyone else it's so true uh, so you're it's basically, are you campaigning for snails to get personhood? My daughter is campaigning <laughs> is she for really? snails to get wow. personhood. <laughs> she's she taking an upper she... notch from you. Like I think yeah. I think this sell on primates rights mm-hmm. is easy. I think you've picked an easier path than your daughter. Well, here's the thing. Where do you draw the line? That's what's um, difficult to justify. Yeah. And that's. You know, what? and that's why some people care so much about chimpanzees, but then you know they might say, "Oh, capuchin monkeys are less like humans, so they're not yeah. as important." And I that's think that not definitely true. is well, yeah. I think 
people probably care on a spectrum. Some people draw the line anything below humans. I think some people yeah. draw the line somewhere in the middle of humans, you know? Yes, they do. They certainly do. So, um, so yeah, it's something everyone has to think about. But, I mean, snails, insects, gorillas. Yeah. It they is, can all be sexy, Matt. It's absolute food <laughs> for thought. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting take. Um, <laughs> Will I regret saying that? Probably. I well, I imagine you should. <laughs> if you then don't, I, do. I yeah. I mean, I loved it. I think that's one of the funniest things that's ever been said on this podcast. <laughs> that's um, not true at all. Uh, well, that but we should start wrapping up. And uh, but yeah, we've still got at least that same amount of questions again for next week's episode. I'll talk to you about a time we can record it next week. Sure. Um, but uh, before we go, do you mind if I thank a few of our Patreon supporters? No, you should. Uh, so these people help make this show, keep the show alive. And they do that by going to patreon.com slash do go on pod. They support this show as well as uh, do go on, the, which is the show that started this little podcast network. Um, you should check out the new web series for sure. This first episode about the Hollywood sign. Um, and... This week's episode was about a an art heist, a Picasso heist uh, that happened in Melbourne, where I live, in the 80s. It's a pretty interesting story. Uh, there's Book Cheat, which is a show about uh, classic books. There's also a music podcast called Listen Now, which will be coming back soon, which I do with my cousin. And I've just started another new show called Matt Chat, which is a, a YouTube show on my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Matt Stewart, where I interview or talk to a different friend. We have a drink and have a chat. I'd love to get you on there as well, Erica, sometime in the near future available. But we'll talk about that later. Um, so you support <laughs> all the, all these shows uh, when you get on at patreon.com slash to go on pod. One of the rewards is getting a shout out here on Primates. And that's what these people have done. They also give me some sort of a little paragraph about Primates or whatever they want to say, really. Usually it's about their favorite primate. This one's from Tim Liggett. Tim writes... It's been said before, but my favorite primate is Curious George. I love his curiosity about the world and I find it inspiring. Fun fact, as a child, I thought Curious George was a monkey, but he's really a chimp. Do you know anything about Curious George, Erica? I, of course I do. I, I don't think he really made too. it to Australia. I know the name vaguely. I think really? maybe Jack Johnson did the soundtrack or something. He did. He did. Yeah, there was a movie a few years ago. But, yeah, I don't think Curious... I think Curious George is one of those American phenomenons, like oh, Zubamufu wow. or whatever that one was. Yeah, that's a weird show. Yeah, we did an episode on it. It was... I heard that episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes, it was yeah. It was something. I think what I mean is a kid's show. Yeah. Some, it's funny. You can watch some kid shows from and they hold up, and other ones you're like, what was going on there? For sure. <laughs> that one sort of fell more into that category for me. But anyway, um, thank you, Tim, for your support, you bloody legend. Daniel Armand writes, what a, is your surname really Armand? That's fantastic. <laughs> Daniel writes, my favorite primate would have to be the librarian from Terry Pratchett's Discworld. He's a human turned into an orangutan in a magical accident and shares a bond with all amateur primatologists in that he gets very angry when he is referred to as a monkey. We did a whole episode um, on the librarian about a month back, and oh. yeah, it's a really interesting character. As an author, do do you uh, enjoy the work of Terry Pratchett, Erica? I'm not familiar with the work of Terry Pratchett. Right, maybe he's big English. Well, he, well, he had a big uh, 
series of sort of fantasy novels about oh. this, and one of the main characters was this orangutan who was the librarian. So um, have to look into it. Yeah, sort of like a comedy fantasy series, very popular, it, certainly cool. in England and I think in Australia. But yeah, I don't know if it, if it how big it is in America. We're too busy reading Curious George here. Yeah, exactly. This is, <laughs> these are the look at these wild cultural differences we have. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Dachshund, Dachshund. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. Or, oregano versus oregano. No, oreg. Well, I say oregano. What do or- you say? Oregano. You do? Yeah. Why did you stumble over it when you said it just now? Then. Well, it was confusing me. I was forgetting which one was which. <laughs> And we say, I think, you. what do you, you call it cilantro? And we no, call, cilantro. Cilantro, but we call it something totally, totally different. Do you I'm, call it coriander? Coriander, that's it. Yeah, because that's like the plant, the actual plant I think is called coriander. I don't know why we call it something else. We're stupid. I don't know if it's necessarily stupid. Z versus <laughs> Z? You know, there's a, is this a tomato, tomato sort of scenario? I don't know. And there, last time I was on, oh, oh, oh. Banana. <laughs> oh, bananas. Yeah, yeah, I love how Americans say banana. I know. Banana. But <laughs> you say it's more, more fun ways. This shit is bananas. <laughs> this shit is bananas. bananas. Somehow, <laughs> do we say more, more posh somehow? Yeah. Cop that. Australian accent posher than you in one, <laughs> one area at least. It certainly is in many ways. Do you think so? I do. So that's funny. Um, I do. <laughs> Adam Castle's. Writes, I know this is a bit of a cop-out, but my favorite primate is Clyde the Monkey, played by Ed, who was played by Nick Frost in Shaun of the Dead. (laughs) Uh, I was also reminded by someone saying that Carl Pilkington was their favorite primate, that on his podcast he had a monkey news segment that you should watch. Yes, people have talked to me about that. Um, Ricky Gervais had a podcast and Carl Pilkington had a monkey news segment. A few people have mentioned I've really got to check that out. But, yeah, um, Shaun of the Dead's a great film. Good suggestion, Adam. Wyatt William, do you know Shaun of the Dead? That's another English show, Erica. I do. I do know that. I like that. Classic film. Uh, Wyatt William Fremlin writes, Hi, Matt. I can't thank you uh, all for what you do, and although it isn't particularly much, I thought that raising my level in – oh, he's raised his level in the Patreon – Oh, that's very nice. That's Thanks, good. Wyatt. He says, in terms of my favorite primate, my first thought was the night monkey from Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. But the more I think about it, I've got to go with the future snake ape robot from Rick and Morty, season four, episode five. Wow. That's very s- specific. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I would have seen that. I've watched all of Rick and Morty. I can't I remember. Didn't. I have to go back and watch it again. Both great suggestions. Night Monkey from Spider-Man. What a fantastic superhero that is. <laughs> I'm the Night Monkey. Uh, Bjorn Hoppy or Hope or Hopper writes, <laughs> Hey, Matt, for my favorite primate, I think I'll go for Susan the Friendly Sasquatch from Missing Link. Cruelly cast aside by the Academy this year in favor of Andy from Toy Story. He taught himself to speak and write is only looking for a family he belongs to and challenges gender norms when he picks his own name. Wow, okay. Well, I don't know what that is. Missing Link, that's a film, I'm guessing. You I guess. About nah, a Sasquatch? I don't think so. Uh, well, it sounds like it's good because he reckons it 
because to oh because the academy awards i think they gave the best animation to toy story 4 yeah okay as a an animated film from 2019 oh oh that sounds cool uh, <coughs> what's hugh, it called hugh jackman it's... stars in it hugh jackman oh. with david williams and stephen fry must be i'd say an english one then oh, that's cool um great suggestion thank you so much for bringing it to our attention bjorn and finally john coutelier that can't be right coutelier Oh, that's a tricky one. Cutelier. Something like that. Sorry, John. Okay. Thank you, John. Oh, hang on. He says, if you're not sure how to pronounce my name, I know John is difficult, just call me JC. Thanks, JC. <laughs> and my favorite primate, geez, he knows me well, JC, doesn't he? Uh, he does. And my favorite primate is Professor Bobo from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, that's a show that I know I've got friends who really like, but I... Have never seen. I think it's like from the eighties or something, and that's something uh, about or the, like or the early nineties. Yeah, 90s. you've you've heard of that one. I've heard of the show. I don't know Professor Bobo. It's a, an American television comedy series created by Joel Hodgson. Uh, first airing in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in nineteen eighty-eight, and then it continued in through the nineties. Wow. Yeah, cool. Uh, maybe that's something. Another thing I should check out. Anyway, uh, that pretty much brings <laughs> the end of the episode. Um, if you want to give us a review, that's that'd be cool. I'll read out five stars. Oh, here's a quick five star review. Jeez, I'm slow at wrapping up the show, aren't I, Erica? Sure. I'll, I'll read this out next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, you've got a few days. If you want to uh, give us a five star review, I'll read some out next week. Um, where can people find you, Erica? I'll put put links in the show notes, but uh, where's yep. the best place to find you? You can find us on Instagram at Napsa Primates, on Facebook at Primate Sanctuary, on Twitter at Napsa Primates, and our website is primatesanctuaries.org. Awesome. Um, they can find us at Primates Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. They can find me at Matt Stewart Comedy on Instagram and Facebook and a Matt Stew underscore art on Twitter. And check out my YouTube channel. I've put up a few stand-up clips from um, different TV spots I've done. And you can find that at youtube.com slash Matt Stewart. It also has my uh, new show, Matt Chat, where I'm just uh, having fun chats with friends. And Erica will hopefully be on there before too long as well. Um, so yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for joining us, Erica. And until we see you next week, as we always say here at Primates Podcast, snails can be sexy too. <laughs> so true. It is true. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.